Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What you are about to hear in the following episode does not implicate the Chicago police in the murder of Courtney Copeland. When my son Courtney was 21 years old, He got a BMW convertible. He loved that car like it was his girlfriend. He would talk to it like, good morning, hello, baby. The first time baby rolled into our driveway, it was late at night. Courtney and his drop-top BMW. Courtney had the music blasting all the way up. It's like like a little block party, you know, in the middle of my driveway. He had the top down. It wasn't even that hot outside, but of course he had the top down. It was a beautiful moment, and that was probably one of the most happiest moments I've seen him. Twenty-five ten, Robert. Twenty-five ten, Robert. 25. This got flagged down at Grand Central. A gentleman just said he was shot. Okay, we'll get EMS rolling to the twenty-fifth district. Okay. Oh. Yeah, send an ambulance right away. 
But not even one year later, my son wound up with a bullet in his back outside a Chicago police station. And there are still so many unanswered questions about what led to the death of 22-year-old Courtney Copeland. Family members say Copeland was on his way to a friend's house when he was shot through his car window. A bullet hit his back. He managed to flag down a police car in front of the 25th District Station and was rushed to a hospital. The wound was fatal. There's what you hear on the news. That Courtney got shot, drove himself to a police station, where officers did everything they could to help him. His mother's heart tonight left in pieces. And then there's the truth. I believe that not enough has been done to solve Courtney's murder. What would really? you like What would you like done that I haven't done? I personally would have went back and re-interviewed everybody to make sure that... Re-interviewed the police? Oh, absolutely. My name is Shapiro Wells. I'm Courtney Copeland's mom. And this is Somebody. Everybody, somebody's every day. Nobody's nothing. Oh, nobody. That's right. Chicago police have one of the lowest murder-solve rates in the country. And it's even lower if you're Black. So when it came time to find out who killed my son, I knew I'd have to figure it out on my own. I'm going to take you with me, step by step, in my investigation. But first... Let me tell you about my son. You need to know who he was in life because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about his death. Courtney was born a day after my 21st birthday on New Year's Eve, 1993. And I just still remember him sleeping on my chest sometimes. That's my mom, Renee. And his favorite thing was warm milk. And he talked about that until an adult. Grandma, I still remember the warm milk you would give me when I was a baby. And I just thought that was so sweet. What do you remember about the early years? He would have, like, little jokes and stuff. Here's my husband, Brent, Courtney's father. He's raised him since he was four years old. You know, like, in fact, like, the first joke he had told me, he was like, what do you call... Uh, stolen cheese. I said, what? He said, nacho cheese. I'm like, oh. I'm like, it was kind of corny, but it was still funny at the same time. He had a a million of those. Y'all both have (laughs) cornball and jokes. That's probably why y'all got along. Next. Here he is goofing off with some of his friends. Hey, how you doing today? What's your name? Courtney Copeland. Courtney's pretending to be a contestant on American Idol. He's in the seventh grade, right at the age where his voice is changing. Don't make sense right now, but it will. Never sounds real good. How to make it fail. Congratulations, Courtney Copeland. Oh, thank you, I'm going to Hollywood, baby! Courtney sure knew how to turn on the charm to get what he wanted. And Courtney was kind of a manipulator with you. You know, it was like, uh... 
He asked me for twenty dollars, then turned around right. and asked you for twenty dollars. Yes. And then he was asking Kim for twenty dollars, and now yes. he got sixty dollars. He got sixty dollars. That's how he would do it. And I, and I wish I could do it for him now. Courtney was energetic and outgoing. I mean, he was so handsome. He had this caramel-colored skin and the most incredible smile. He spent all his money, and I mean all his money, on food, clothes, haircuts, and shoes. My mom just came back from Wisconsin. She bought me this hat. Say Gucci. Gucci, boy. After Courtney died, I went through his phone. Look at Uncle Courtney. All those videos and photos and social media. It made me feel like he was still right there with me. Really, we called him Gucci in high school. I don't know if it was because he was flea or because he looked like Gucci Mane, but we just, we called him Gucci. One of his friends was a kid named Chancellor Bennett. You might know this guy as Chance the Rapper. I got suspended. Ooh, you got suspended for chief and a hundred blunts, 14, 400 minutes. Fans all in the stands, they hands for Mr. Bennett that racket over the But yeah, I met Gucci when I was like in summer school. You know what I'm saying? Not to, I, and I, I don't hope, I hope that doesn't have like a negative connotation and stuff. But like, I mean, I was in summer school. Everybody goes to summer school. So yeah, he would freestyle with me. We would, you know, kick it after, after school and stuff and just be rapping, walking down the street and beatboxing and stuff like that. Courtney would always tell me, Mom, this guy is going to be huge. That was like a thing at the time. Like I was passing out CDs. Like I was burning CDs and like standing outside of Columbia. He would be standing out there with me or like he would take CDs and from me and give them to other people and stuff too. They went to Jones College Prep. It's one of the top public schools in Chicago. Courtney played on the basketball team, and he helped them win a city championship. When he was 17 or 18, he got a tattoo of a basketball across his chest, and it says, Ball till I fall. I've always hated tattoos because I'm a religious person, and I believe tattoos are a desecration of the body. When I first saw the tattoo, I literally cried. And I said, you just want to hurt your mama, don't you? Then he got more tattoos, including one that says, Mama's Boy. How do you like that? Courtney got a partial scholarship to play ball in Indiana. But we could only afford to help him so much. So he had to come back home after one semester. He got a job as a janitor and at Dunkin' Donuts. Got to get ready for work. Oh, my God. Put on my pants, put on my shoes, put on my shirt. Ready for work. He was wandering through life until a friend recruited him into the business called World Ventures. Courtney's job was to sign up members for discount vacations all over the world. Courtney was determined to go to the top. And that's when I really saw Courtney turning into a man. That's my mom again. Because of his positive mental attitude that he developed, his change of thinking, how people treated him. He became more of a leader now. In just one year, Courtney signed up so many people. The company helped him lease that BMW as a bonus. It is World Ventures Wings and Wheels. Step one, get your wings. Step two, get your wheels. Courtney asked me if I would sign for the car for him, and I told him no way. If he wanted to get someone else to help him, that was on him. 
so he convinced his friend Christian Hernandez to co-sign. For Courtney, the BMW was validation. And we all love that car. His cousin Sean, who's a rapper, used it in his music video. I'm addicted to the money, I'm addicted to these hoes, I'm addicted to this cash, all I know is count that dope, count that dope, count that dope. You know, it was just like a typical rap video. Sexy girls dancing all around and the guys and money. And Courtney's in the video, too. Courtney was living the high life. Just a few months before he died, he went on a trip to Cancun. I'm supposed to be at Dunkin' Donuts right now, but psych, I did something different. I said yes, I stay consistent, I work hard. I mean, this was a trip of a lifetime. He was just like he was on top of the world. He did the Macarena in the hotel lobby. He went scuba diving. Rode a jet ski. He was doing really, really well getting close to moving out my basement and moving in with some friends. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world, and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts are you ready to fight back against crime 
Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Here's what I know about the last day of my son's life. Courtney helped a friend move a sofa. He talked to my mom about becoming an in-home caregiver. The application was due the next day. That day, I remember I got my hair done. And that night, I caught some of the Republican presidential debates. Ever hit my hands? I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? While I was watching that, Courtney was given a presentation for World Ventures. Around midnight, Courtney swung by Pizons, his favorite pizza place. It's a couple of blocks from our house in Cicero, just outside of Chicago. And he ran into his friend, Chris. The next day, we were supposed to go on a little road trip. We were going to be there for the weekend, so we were preparing everything. Courtney showed Chris this book he was reading. It was called Think and Grow Rich. He was already on Chapter 3. I always tell people this story because it felt weird because he left the parking lot right from Pizons, and I didn't even get in my car yet. You know, usually I say bye to somebody, I'll get in my car, and I go. But I stood outside, and I'm like, man, that's crazy. You know, he hit the bonus with the car. Like, he's happy. He's reading that book. 
But Courtney really wasn't headed home. It turns out he had this girlfriend, a co-worker he was dating, and he was heading to see her. I replayed this night so many times in my head. I wish I had texted him like I usually would do to see when he'd be back home. Maybe then he would have just come back to the house. I don't know why I didn't check on him that night. I'm excited, man. Reason why is because, you know, I understand that I'm God's highest form of creation. Before he drove into the city, Courtney posted on Snapchat. He's in his car wearing a red hoodie under his peacoat. He looks so happy and hopeful. The things that I want and obtain in my life, I can do them. I just got to believe in myself. His name on Snapchat was Born Leader 34. 34 was Courtney's favorite number. And the night he died was March 4th, 3-4. An hour after he posted on Snapchat, my son was being rushed to the hospital. I am calling because I just received a patient here to our ER. Um, the hospital called the police in Cicero, where I live. Okay. And um, what's the name of this gentleman? His name is Courtney. Copeland, C-O-P-E-L-A-N-D. And you want his mom advised that he's in a hospital? Yes. He was actually en route to, I guess, a police station nearby because he had been shot, and then he came in by ambulance. I don't know if you want to tell her what the nature of the injury is yet. Nah, probably not. I probably don't want to. Just that he's injured in the hospital. A little after 2 o'clock in the morning, the Cicero police came bamming on our door. When I opened the door, he asked me, did I know a Courtney Copeland? I was already thinking that this is bad. The police told us that Courtney was in the hospital in Chicago. And that's it. And at that point, she probably remember you dropping to your knees. Say, Mom, I know he's dead. I know he's gone. They just don't do this. They don't, they know this is when someone's dead. I assumed that it had to be some type of uh, auto accident because Courtney was always known for texting and driving. I remember my husband, Brent, driving our family to Illinois Masonic Hospital. My mom, Courtney's sisters, my aunt, we were all there. We rolled in our town and country minivan, and it was in the middle of the night. And I don't even recall any other cars being on the road. Right away, the staff wanted to take us to the family room. But I knew, I knew what the family room was. That's when they tell you that your kid is dead. And I didn't want to go. They sent in this nurse, a very kind nurse. She stayed with me. She held my hand to try to keep me calm. I had no idea then how important she would become to my investigation. That's when the doctor came out and told us 
the news, you know, that he had died from a gunshot wound. And we were like, well, why, why, what do you mean a gunshot wound? Who shot him? When the doctor said, my, Courtney was shot, that was like an unbelievable, we didn't hear anything else, but everybody drops to the floor screaming, yelling, Okay, oh no, oh no, oh no, because that was the last thing that we would think Courtney would be involved in is any form of shooting because he was not that type of individual, okay? And he was a nonviolent person. He would, you know, he would not be involved in anyone that would have guns. The doctor told us that when Courtney arrived, they opened up his chest to try to save him. I'd been at the hospital for over an hour and I still hadn't seen my son. And you know, as a mother, you want to have that confirmation that this is indeed your child. They told me I couldn't see him until detectives got there. And I told them, I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now. If I can't see my son, I'm going to tear this whole hospital up. They finally let us see Courtney. He was on a hospital bed in the trauma unit. After a few moments, I asked everyone to leave. Because I had to be with him. I had to be with him by myself. I began to touch him. His body was still warm. I caressed his face and kissed his forehead. And I told him, I was like, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. When you needed me the most. And I walked out of the room. And then it really hit me. That Courtney was gone. And I just collapsed. Courtney's friends and our extended family were piling into the hospital waiting room. I remember two detectives coming in. They were white and middle-aged. And they told us what they knew. They said Courtney was shot in his car and drove himself to the police station. Courtney jumped out of his car and flagged down an officer for help. But the car was still moving, so the officer told him to put it in park. So Courtney hopped back into the car and put the car in park. And then they said that Courtney ran over to the officer again and grabbed his arm and said, I've been shot before collapsing. Then came the moment when I felt something more than grief. I felt suspicious. See, the detective said they wanted to ask me some questions. In their first one, they asked me if Courtney was the owner of the BMW. Remember when I told you that Courtney had to get a co-signer for the car? 
Christian Hernandez. Christian's name was actually on the registration and not Courtney's. Courtney had been stopped before because of this. So when the police asked me if he was the real owner of the car, I started to think, maybe this was a police stop gone wrong. You know, like Philando Castile up in Minnesota. Maybe the police stopped him after running his plates and seeing a black man driving a car registered in a Hispanic man's name. The first thing that Courtney's friends did is went looking for clues. They went to Belmont Cragen, the neighborhood where Courtney was shot. They saw skid marks and some broken glass on this corner near Catholic Church. They scooped up the glass and talked to a neighbor who said she heard gunshots. We put up reward posters all over the neighborhood. So we went with the flyers and and we were on the radio. There's anybody that can help us get answers. First, we offered a $5,000 reward, then a $6,000, then a $6,600. In the end, we put up $10,000, but we got no answers. We tried to keep Courtney's story alive in the news. Here I am on a local show called Jamaica Funk. Give us a little background of Courtney. What 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 did Courtney do? Courtney was a senior sales rep at World Ventures uh, Travel uh, Industry, and he was a rising member of the uh, of the Chicagoland area. So he had. I wasn't just trying to solve his case. I was also fighting to protect his name. Police say Copeland was not a gang member. They can only guess right now why he was shot. He graduated from Police said he wasn't a gang member? Why was that even a question? I had to do everything I could to protect his image. When reporters asked to use photos of him, I made sure he looked his best. So, so I, just, I just don't want the narrative to be negative about my son because, because he was not that... that. That's my biggest fear. Okay, so you prefer we use the picture of him in the tux. That's on his Facebook page. Whoever did this to my son, I ask that you turn yourself in. I ask that you ask for forgiveness from God. Looking back at my face on TV that night he died, it's literally hard to believe that was even me. How many kids have to die? How many black children? I remember being in so much pain, but I needed to find answers. That was the only way I knew how to keep going. A few people did come forward with tips. One guy actually told me he was driving by the police station and saw Courtney on the ground with cops just standing around him. This bystander basically told me when he looked at the scene, he felt that the police were doing something to him. And then when I began to press him, trying to get more information, and that's when he was like, you know, I don't really want to get involved. You know, you don't understand the police around here. They'll come after me. And then he finally told me, he was like, look, I have children, and I can't risk my life 
to basically tell you what I saw. Then there was a tow truck driver. He took a video. It's hard to make out, but it looks like Courtney is laying on the ground outside the police station. The lights are flashing and no one is helping him. One of Courtney's friends, a World Venture guy named June, says he got in touch with the tow truck driver. I mean, his theory, the guy in the tow truck says his theory was that the police did it. That was, that's the first thing that came out of his mind. That's what he's been saying since the beginning. What the police told me is that they did everything they could to save him. But you know what? It just wasn't adding up. So I said to myself, I just got to bury my baby and lay him to rest. And then I'll find out what really happened. I needed some strength, so I turned to Courtney the only way I could. Any obstacle, you know, that you're going through within your life today, understand that God will never put you through anything that you cannot handle. The reason why they call it a pass is because you already went through. Remember how I told you that since Courtney's death, I go through his phone? Guess how he had me listed? Uh Uh-oh, with three exclamation points. As in, "Uh uh-oh, my mom's calling. And you know what? He was right to be afraid, because when I get onto something, I don't let up. And I'm putting the police on blast right now. I will find out the truth of what happened to my son. And when I do, the whole world will know it. Everybody, somebody's every day. Nobody's nothing. Somebody is a co-production of the Invisible Institute, The Intercept, Topic Studios, and iHeartRadio in association with Tenderfoot TV. I'm Shapiro Wells. This podcast is produced by Allison Flowers and Bill Healy. Sarah Geis is our story editor. Ellen Glover is our associate producer. For the Invisible Institute, Jamie Calvin is executive producer. For Topic Studios, Maria Zuckerman, Christy Gressman, and Letal Malad are executive producers. Special thanks to Lizzie Jacobs. For The Intercept, Roger Hodge, deputy editor, is supervising producer. Sound design by Carl Scott and Bart Warshaw. Michael Rayfield is our mix engineer. Our theme song, Everybody's Something, is by Chance the Rapper. Original music for the podcast by Nate Fox of The Social Experiment and Eric Butler. Additional reporting by Sam Stecklow, Annie Wynn, Kahari Blackburn, Rajiv Sinclair, Henry Adams, Matilda Voyat, Dana Brozos Kelleher, Francis McDonald, Diana Akmajian, Maddie Anderson, Andrew Fan, and Erissa Apentaku. Translation support by Benny Hernandez Ocampo and Emma Perez. Fact checking by Noah Argeni. Special thanks to Chris Rasmussen. Bennett Epstein, Matt Topic, David Brelo, and Julie Wolf. We want to hear from you. Email us at info at somebodypodcast.com or leave us a voicemail at 773-270-0121. To learn more about this case and for links to additional materials, go to our show page at somebodypodcast.com. 
You can also find a list of everyone we want to thank there. So many people helped us along the way. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.